Welcome to Cheddarcast episode 38. This is the first episode that I'm back at, and it's honestly kind of nice to be doing this again. Uh, I am your host this week, Gunner, as Devious could not make it. I am joined by Ekid. What's up? And I'm joined by Kenji. Hello. Get ready for some fire topics, as Devious would say. Um, the first topic we're going to be talking about is Activision clearing itself of any wrongdoing after investigating itself. Um, as everyone who regularly listens likes to know, we like to throw in some comedy topics here and there. Uh, so for this one, I'm going to start with Kenji. Kenji, what do you think of Activision clearing itself of all wrongdoing? Um, well, it's weird because it's, it's like they didn't really clear themselves about it because... It's it's just like legal shit for their lawsuits, right? It's like, uh, oh well, you know, our internal investigation didn't find anything wrong. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, dude. Uh, what like that? That doesn't mean anything to me because it's it's like, okay, I I could do that. I could be like, I could commit it. I I could be a piece of shit or commit a crime. And be like, hey, I investigated myself. There's nothing wrong, you know. I yeah, found, I found these random things that were totally upper management totally did something about, <laughs> but there's nobody to back it up. This is paperwork, so it's it seems almost like police like like it's just like after yeah. the police have like a controversy and they're just like yeah after reviewing ourselves we found that nothing we did nothing wrong, uh, carry on nothing to see here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, Ekid, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you guys. I hate these internal investigations. Like, it's this is far from the first time this has happened where, you know, there's some big controversy over a company, the way either they're uh, handling customers or employees or something like that. And like, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I looked into it and, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know what you're saying. No one, no one here is doing anything wrong. <laughs> Say what you want, but as far as I can see, you know, we're not we're not doing anything wrong here. It's it's a uh, it's all it's and all hunky dory. <laughs> and let's not forget, this is from the same uh, corporation that's headed by a guy that threatened to kill an air steward. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I, I sometimes like picture that moment in my head. Like I don't know, she brings him like the wrong pack of peanuts or something, and he's just like, "I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll have you killed." <laughs> You brought me salted yeah. peanuts, you bitch. <laughs> yes, for unsalted. It just kind of like I hope something like this wouldn't stand up in court, because like that that'd just be a sad state of affairs if like the judge is like, oh well, they said they weren't doing anything wrong. That's good enough for me. Like it's like there's no there's no way you could trust anything like an internal investigation like that at all. You'd need some sort of third party to come in and look at things like who's gonna out themselves for you know possibly harassing their employees and uh, i think there was what a rape allegation as well something like that yeah yeah suicide allegations it's it's pretty bad yeah why would they admit to that after they quote-unquote investigated themselves you know Mm -hmm. um and then yeah the the police saw me leaving the bank with a million dollars in a bag but i mean i was looking all through my house i didn't see it so you know i guess i didn't do it (laughs) 
Yeah, and I mean, going off of what you're saying, I think there's like multiple moving pieces here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the the state lawsuit that the state of California was um, uh, suing them for, I think that was settled for some sort of money. Um, probably not nearly enough, but it was settled. So I think this is just like posturing for the U.S. government as the Microsoft uh, takeover continues. And Possibly. like honestly. It's, it's even posturing for Microsoft, like because I mean, things like this could make Microsoft rethink buying Activision. I mean, yeah, it could make them a ton of money, but if they're just going to be buying a bunch of headache, they could end up losing money in the process. So, probably just trying exactly. to save themselves so they can make that sweet, sweet Microsoft money. And that's like the moral quandary that I always ask myself. Like, I'm generally pretty tough on Microsoft, as people who know me know, and just corporations in general. And like to me, it's like. Microsoft knows that all this stuff is going on, and they're pretty much enriching these people that carried out all this stuff. Like, uh, Bobby Kotick, the guy at the top, he's he's already a millionaire, but, like, how much did the sale go through for? I forgot already. Is Was it, like, $60 billion or am I making that up? Do you guys remember? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. Uh, $68.7 yeah, so it's like... Is the latest proposal. Yeah, Ooh. and a lion's share of that is going to go to Kotick, who allegedly, you know, threatens to kill air stewards, sexually yeah. assaults people. So that's why it's like, I get it that Microsoft could be, like, liberating this company in the best-case scenario and its employees, but it's also, like, enriching the perpetrators behind this. Like, I, if I was Microsoft, I would, I would be more open to, like using my money, using my vast wealth to start my own studios and from the ground up with like a Xbox culture and, you know, building from there, kind of like Nintendo and Sony had. Yeah, but uh, starting up your own IP doesn't get you Call of Duty, which is pretty much just free money. Mm, so That's true. I mean, <laughs> that's true. but even the, the latest Call of Duty didn't do great, but it still made like millions, maybe, maybe at least a billion. I don't know, like... Oh yeah, it made millions. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's just—it literally is free money. Yeah. The, oh wow, now that's not the latest one. It's the best-selling game. So I was trying to look up how much it sold, but there's we don't even remember what games. it was called. That's that's, yeah. that's how uh, <laughs> little of note it was. Vanguard, yeah. Yeah, there we go. It's funny that the first thing that came to my mind was Warzone. It's like. Oh, I think that's God. the same for a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> what a legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other topic. But uh, And then, just as an aside, um, I, I won't name names, but somebody that we play FIFA with regularly, uh, he used to work for Activision Blizzard. And like one day, we had asked him, um, I can't remember if it was me and Kenji or me and Zangwin, but like we asked him, like, so that stuff everyone's saying, like, is it true? And, like, not even a second passes, and he's just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%, it's true. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it really is as bad as everybody is saying, I guess, if not worse. This is just, like, yeah. what's been reported. Yeah, I, I've been in a position like that with a company I worked for where some news had broken about some shit going on behind the scenes, and... You know, my company was fighting it tooth and nail, and it's like everyone working there is like, man, we were there, we saw this happen. <laughs> but did your company investigate itself and find nothing wrong? 
Uh, I don't think it came to that, but I bet they would have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Kenji, do you have anything else to say on the topic? Um, no. It's just, <laughs> uh, it feels like they tried to do this to make to be like, oh, we're, we want good PR, but everybody's just like, what the fuck? I don't. I don't think this is going over as well as they think it would. <laughs> it's it's dumb. That's what it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I bet. I think the best case scenario is really that their internal investigation is ignored, and then anyone who's actually investigating the situation just keeps heading forward without slowing down. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe uh, the people who are to blame for all of this will be removed from the company before Microsoft buys it out, and then you know they'd probably still get a share because they'd probably still be board members, like, who knows, but, I mean, they wouldn't get as big of a share or something along those lines. That's the unfortunate part, is they'll still get money off of it no matter what happens. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then my final thoughts are more of the same. It's just, like, it's one of those situations where you're probably better off not saying anything, just, like, camouflaging yourself with the environment, hoping everybody forgets about you till like, the buyout happens and goes through which is supposed to happen i think at the turn of the year um yeah dumb (laughs) dumb that's my final thoughts Mm -hmm. all right our next topic is going to be we're going to be discussing the future of e3 and just game shows in general um going forward this is on the back of uh, the esa announcing that for sure 100 percent pinky promise next year we're going to have an in-person e3 as uh, COVID restrictions and whatnot continue to lift. So with this one, I'm going to start with Ekid. Ekid, what are your thoughts on the matter? So when I was a young boy in the late 90s, reading Game Informer magazine, I had heard about the Electronic Entertainment Expo, and it sounded like the coolest thing ever. They had pictures of all these little booths of video games and... As a young super nerd, it was my biggest dream to go to E3. That's all I wanted every year. But I couldn't because it was an industry-only event. You had to be like either a member of a development team or a, a reporter or something like that. So I couldn't go. And then I got older, and they opened it up to everybody. And man, it was garbage. It was just a big shit show of nonstop waiting in line to play 10 minutes of a video game that's not (laughs) going to come out for three years and i lost all interest in it (laughs) so honestly like i don't know that i care much anymore (laughs) like if they do an in-person event i'll probably still never go like it's it's i'm not a huge fan of conventions if for that reason because they're just these big horribly packed events where you might get a glimpse of something cool for 20 seconds and then wait in line for another three hours like I don't know, like, I'm sure there's going to be people excited for it, but I'd much rather just watch the highlights on YouTube or Twitch or something like that afterwards and kind of miss the whole event altogether. So, I mean, I I guess I don't have a dog in this race because E3 is kind of garbage these days, especially with the internet. Like, all of the announcements from game developers just come out on Twitter or something. So it's like by the time E3 rolls around, maybe there's a few videos of a game we didn't know about. And then the rest of the news you get is just going to be online anyway. So it's kind of like, why do I want to pay money to go to an event to wait in line all day to see a 10 second clip of something I'll end up reading about later online? Uh, it's just kind of, eh, I don't know. 
<laughs> and that's like speaking specifically about the in-person experience. Does the uh, like the online experience, the uh, the build-up and the hype of like E3, does that ever apply to you? Uh, not for a long time, man. Like like I said, I'm I usually wait for a decent amount of information for a game to come out anyway before I really dig into it. Like I don't know, I don't even keep track of like the up and coming games. Like when someone says, "Hey, we got a new game coming out in five years." I usually miss it until, you know, like maybe it's two years out or something. Other than Alan Wake 2. I've been waiting for Alan Wake 2 <laughs> since the first one came out. So I do read about that every chance they put out something. But other than that, like the whole experience, I don't know. It just kind of it kind of misses me. There's so many games out there that I play that I just I don't find myself anxiously awaiting any news for new ones as it is. So I just kind of, as we get close to time for a game to release, I'll get excited. But other than that, it's just kind of meh. All right, Kenji, what do you think? Um, I mean, we've talked about E three previously. It's a yearly discussion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it's it's with all these companies pulling. Like it used to be, like a big thing, right? Um, like every every company that made video games used to be part. Now there's like so many so many companies that have like pulled out. And like aren't aren't a part of it, but they're like major video game manufacturers. It kind of feels pointless to have an E three if you're not gonna have people who make video games there. Like I know like it could be used for like um like smaller just independent studios, but the fact that Sony and Microsoft are just literally buying everything these days is not much like there I mean there there is still that, but Microsoft and Sony just just eat those companies up. So I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think E three is gonna last. <laughs> yeah, See, I wouldn't I wouldn't I, be surprised if it became an online only thing from now on. Like maybe they don't do a giant event and they just do some sort of like, you know, each company sends in a video and maybe they have someone Skype in a presentation or something. But I, I mean, I guess they're still making money when they do their in-person events, but they seem to have been doing just fine being mostly online these last few years. So, I mean, they could stick around. I just, it's probably not, I don't know that the uh, in-person event is going to draw as much as it used to, especially post-COVID. Everyone's a bit more mindful of how gross everyone is. So <laughs> That's so know. fucking true. <laughs> Dude, every time I go out, it's like, ugh. Fucking <laughs> that fuck guy just away. sneezed into his hands and now he's browsing through all this food one by one. I'm going to a different mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we needed a pandemic just to get people to wash their hands. That's a, that's a, that says everything it needs and to people, say. And people still don't wash their hands. <laughs> that's exactly. true. <laughs> exactly. I still see people walking out of the bathroom at work not washing their hands. And I'm just like, oh. oh. That um, is gross. I have a few thoughts on this topic. Now, there's the whole, like, um, ESA aspect of it all. So, like, the ESA is the one that runs E3, and the ESA is also, like, the lobbying arm of the gaming industry when it comes to, like, the government and politics and stuff. And I don't know if this is true, but, like, I read that article a few days ago that 50% of all of the ESA's income for the year comes from E3. So I can really see why they're, like, 
trying as hard as they possibly can to get this in-person thing going again. It also kind of makes sense why they opened it up to the general public, because uh, when I was still like starry and wide-eyed about E3, I was looking at the ticket prices, and oh my god, they were... I don't know if you remember, I could... Stupid weren't they like eyes. well into the hundreds? Oh yeah, easily. Once they open it up to the public... Yeah, I think like a one day ticket was like four or five hundred bucks. Like, oh yeah, it was so, a, what, it was like a three day event, so you could easily spend over a thousand bucks just going all three days. Yeah, and that's not even counting the plane ticket and accommodations for yeah. California and, and a, like a and big all city. the garbage you'll buy while you're there. Yeah, that too. <laughs> like, yeah, because you're not gonna walk home empty handed. Um, yeah. So there's that aspect that I under, kind of understand why they're really trying to force this. Um, then the other aspect is my personal feeling on e3 uh growing up i guess in my teens and you know young adulthood and all that like e3 was the best time of the year because it was just like not even not even necessarily for the video game announcements it was like you would sometimes gather your friends and you just like watch and just like i don't know laugh at it or like uh you'd see a hype announcement you'd just be like oh my god this is coming out so i'm always gonna miss that part of e3 but I think I prefer the, you know, when we're ready to show something, we're going to drop this random state of play or whatever Nintendo calls it. I forgot. Uh, direct. Um, yeah, I think and it's then Nintendo we're... Direct, something like that, yeah. Yeah, Nintendo Direct. And you're going to, like, it's, it's going to take 20 minutes. It's going to be about this. Tune in if you're interested. And I just love that. The convenience of it, the time-saving aspect, all of it. So... Um, it's never going to be as hype as like, I don't know, Hideo Kojima coming out on stage at E3 when nobody was expecting him. But at the same time, I think it's a good trade-off. I don't know if you guys prefer like the, uh, like Nintendo Direct style versus traditional E3. The only problem I have with the state of plays and like Nintendo Directs is that I forget they exist <laughs> and I just don't watch them. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm in the same boat. Like, even, like, everyone starts posting videos. I'm like, where is this coming from? I'm like, yeah. oh, there's an event. <laughs> it's like, even afterwards, it's like, oh, I'll watch it later, and then I'll just forget about it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, at least with E3, there was, like, at least maybe one or two things that I'd be interested in. But sometimes the state of plays are like, man, I don't give a shit about any of that. Which I mean is fine because they're like like you said they're twenty minute little things. But yeah, I just I just forget that they exist. Like I'm I'm not super big on like Twitter or anything, so I don't really get notifications that like they're going except for the Discord. But I do think so. the communication aspect of it is just like really nice though because um, mm-hmm. I don't know about Nintendo. I'm not really in this space, but like I know PlayStation. They they're very specific. They're like, hey. 20 minutes data play. It's going to be about PSVR games only. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in PSVR, tune in. If you're not, you probably shouldn't, you know? Yeah. Um, I like that. Whereas E3, like, it's like a given every single year. Sony's going to be there. Whether they have something to show or not, they're going to be there. So I think that puts the devs and publishers in, like, an awkward position where, like, they might not have anything. And then they're just scrambling to be like, okay, we got to have something for E3, you know? We can't just show up with nothing. Um, So this direct slash data play model, I think, lets them talk when they're ready to say something, ready to show something, not 
like once a year because they feel like they have to. But in the same breath, this is the next thing I was going to ask you guys. I'm sure you've seen or heard of uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest, which is pretty much E3. Um, It was like an online E3, and he already said next year it's going to be in person. So, um, I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Like, uh, we'll start with that kid. Like, it's just a second E3, or do you think this is better because, you know, one of us and Jeff Keighley is doing it, hosting it? Uh, Or just any general thoughts on the matter? I don't know that I've heard about it yet. Like, this is the first... I mean, I couldn't I couldn't really give an opinion either way. I don't know who that guy is. Never heard the event, so... <laughs> oh, he's, he's, he's the guy that uh, hosts the Game Awards. Um, if you saw his face, I'm sure you, you would recognize him. How dare you um, not know? Here. <laughs> it we'll, just we'll shows you the, how, uh... how disconnected I am from the whole Game Awards and, and all that stuff. Man, I don't know. Never we'll put the uh, BCG guys voice chat, chat to, 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 to work uh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys know that, uh, you know, my Game of the Year pick last year wasn't even mentioned in any of the awards. So, you know, the Game Awards are all bullshit. <laughs> it was that beaver simulator, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Timberborn. <laughs> it was a good game. Yeah, search for Timberwood, not Beaver Simulator. That might be devious this type of games. Yeah, I'm pretty Beaver. sure Beaver Simulator is an adult game. I know. Yeah, oh, search for Timberwood. No. Okay, well, Kenji, since you know um, about the event, like, what do you think? How is E3 and Summer Games is going to coexist? Do we need either of them, both of them, one of them? Um, I don't know, man. I I think even the Game Awards have gone downhill a little bit with just how much fucking advertisement. Like it's. I don't, we watched it last year, right? And it was like yeah. just ad city, man. Like every every after everything, there was like some sort of verbal ad or video ad or something. Like I, I swear to God, I saw it like four Dorito commercials. <laughs> I mean, not not to play devil's advocate or anything, but technically the whole thing is an ad. Like no, I, I mean, know they're giving but... awards to shit for you to buy, but <laughs> no, I know for sure. Yeah. But it's. It's it's like I'm here for that. That's why that's why I'm here is to watch shit about the games, right? Yeah. And it's like I fucking buy games anyway, so it's not a huge thing. It's it's like when they put like legit product advertisements <laughs> in between the other yeah. video game <laughs> yeah. advertisements that it's supposed to be. It's like, jeez, <clears throat> dude, fucking calm down. I, like, I get it. Doritos, sure. I don't need yeah. six Doritos commercials to tell me that Doritos exist. That's so, why Hideo Kojima called them the Dorito Pope, famously. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what was a uh, Death Stranding? What they had? What monster energy like littered all yeah. throughout the game? Something like that. Yeah. So yeah. like he does that, that in all of his games, games well. though. He'd like, Maybe. Me- I mean, like, no, he no, he does like Metal Gear. He had so cup noodles in Metal Gear. Had I think products from like Japanese, like Japanese. I could see the argument that it kind of grounds the game in the real world, but I also think that argument's bullshit. So you know. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. I I don't like it. It's not in the PS5 version, so they removed it. Or um, I think the Steam version. It's not in there either. Um, but yeah, I mean. I get what I get what Kenji's saying with the ads. I definitely grow tired of the ads as well. But at the same time, the other side of me is saying like 
he's got to pay for this somehow. And it's nice that I guess like the devs and the teams are getting recognition. Um, yeah, it's really nice when it's like just an annoyance really, but especially when like, instead of talking about some of the categories, they just go like, uh, for this category, this person won. For this category, this game won. For this, because like they did that. Oh yeah. And then they and then they show an ad, right? So it's like, mm, okay. But I just I don't know how uh, an E three esque type thing would go. I don't know. I don't yeah, think it's gonna I, go well at all. I don't. Yeah, I can't imagine it it going well. <clears throat> I feel like the only like yearly games event that I really give a shit about anymore is Games Done Quick. And even that, there's been a lot of news these past few years about some kind of unsavory uh, ways that they choose what games to put up and stuff like that. So even that's been kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of, kind of a sore subject as well for the past couple of years. I think one of the big ones was, uh, what was it, SpongeBob Battle <clears throat> for Bikini Bottom? was a rather popular speedrun game on Twitch, and it had a very competitive uh, scene for setting the high scores, and it took them, what, like five years to get on AGDQ, despite, you know, being one of the biggest games. So I feel like, I mean, any any of these yearly game shows eventually is going to kind of turn into something that people who started watching it originally may not like as much. Yeah. So I mean, E3 I mean, might have a limited life, or at the very least, it may just become, you know, a yearly. Hey, look at my game. Maybe it doesn't make as much as it used to, but I don't know. I could see it at least being an online-only thing for quite a while. I used to watch GDQ too. I, just, I haven't watched it in a few years now. Just... I I just think he's they're biting off more than they can chew, pretty much, because it's like. Now E3 and uh, Keeley's Summer Games Fest, they're both going to be in person next year. And there's the Game Awards that are going to happen six months later. So it's like three shows that people or people need to get hyped up for or for developers to like have something for. Uh, I think someone's going to fall by the wayside. I could see everybody except the Game Awards falling by the wayside, honestly. So I just I don't see it working out. Digital's the future, yeah, I, guys. Embrace it. <laughs> I could see the Game Awards sticking around just because, you know, we still have things like the Emmys and the Academy Awards. Like, people like, for some reason, seeing uh, people awarded for their performance. Which, I mean, it's, it is kind of cool, especially when a game you really love wins, like, Game of the Year. Or they win Best Game in their category or something. That's that's a good thing for someone who's a big fan of it. Um, I just, I just want to see those, those sort of things have never been come out with another game. See who? <laughs> Jose Fares. Oh, the uh, Come out another game. Fuck the Oscars guy. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not a huge fan of award shows personally, but like I like the gaming ones because uh, for the reasons you mentioned, like when a game that you like wins an award. But I feel like the last two years it's gone more mainstream. I guess like the games you expect to win usually do win every award. I don't know if yeah, uh, well, you feel differently, Kenji, since you were with me. Uh, Kenji. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, for the most part, everything we thought was going to win won. There was there were a couple of things that were like, 
not what we thought, but for the most part, it was pretty, it was pretty like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that went well. Um, any final thoughts on the topic, Arkin? Uh, I don't think so. Just, uh, you know, still sore, Timberborn. No mention anywhere, any of the Beaver award shows, but I'll, some, I'll somehow survive. If it was called Beaver Simulator, it would have gotten mentioned. You know, it might have. <laughs> Our contact info's in the description, guys, if you need any tips. Uh, Kenji, any yeah. final thoughts? Nah, just... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, my final thoughts are... Digital's the future and the present, guys. Stop trying to force us to see each other. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody. I don't want to sit next to some sweaty dude. I'm already a sweaty yeah. dude. I don't need to sit next to another yeah, sweaty right. dude. Exactly. You want, you want people to try your game out? Make a demo. Put it in oh, all the yeah. stores. And we'll try it without waiting four hours in line. From the comfort yeah. of our air-conditioned home. Exactly. And that way the only stinky sweaty dude is us. Mm-hmm. And we can avoid going to California. Which I think oh, is yes. like a life goal for everybody, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our pen ultimate topic is going to be about Starfield, Bethesda's kind of announced game since we still haven't really seen too much on it. Um, I myself am not the biggest Bethesda fan. I've played a few of their games. Um, while I do have some thoughts on the topic, I'm going to throw it over to Bethesda's number one fan, Kenji. What? I'm not Bethesda's number ahead, one Kenji. fan, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. Um... I can't imagine this game being good. Is that weird to say? I just... It doesn't... I don't know. It's... It's it just... It, I don't know. <laughs> you sounded like Todd Howard. I know, right? Oh, st- I, d- fucking thousands of planets. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? No. Yeah, okay, that's that's what's gotten me like skeptical. Um, you guys know I, I'm not a the biggest fan of space games, and I haven't played too many Bethesda games. I've played a few, but not too many. Um, the second I read that, right away, first thing I thought, No Man's Sky, thousands of planets, but only four levels. I don't know, dude. That's it's a little suspect to me. <laughs> it's like, because, like, when they say that shit, I know for a fact it's not going to be, like, a thousand quality planets, you know? It's going to be, like, there's going to be maybe four planets that actually have a substantial amount of shit on them. Like, like hub planets or whatever, where you pick up missions and whatnot or whatever. But... The rest of the planets is just gonna be like hot garbage. I mean, like no, it's like No Man's Sky's. I guess they've. I haven't played No Man's Sky in forever, but No Man's Sky sucked, man. And like, like I saw, like in the article, it was like, oh, Todd was saying that you could, if you if you like that planet, go down, build a base. It's like, dude, you just made No Man's Sky. That's what <laughs> that's what you do in No Man's Sky. You go down to a planet that you like and you build a fucking base. It's the whole like premise of it. See that mountain? You can go there. 
Yeah, planet. You can, you can fucking go to it. But I guess, I guess the difference is Starfield might have a story. I don't know. I'm have uh, in your experience, like Bethesda game stories, have they been good? In your opinion, I guess. I mean, I'm pretty sure most convincing. people's. I think most people's favorite Bethesda story wasn't even a Bethesda story because all I, I hear everyone's favorite game is Fallout New Vegas, and that wasn't even Bethesda, but it was a Bethesda IP. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> well, it's weird. So like, like for me, Bethesda games, the main stories always kind of suck. Like, <laughs> Fallout Three's main story kind of sucked. New Vegas's main story kind of sucked. It's all like. Their side missions are what's good about the game. Like, all the, all the little things and, like, little things you find, little towns, little fucking shit that you find. Like, those are cool in Bethesda games. Like, the main story is always, like, super generic. Like, like Fallout 3, it's like, oh, I gotta find my dad. And you fucking Skyrim. jerk around, and it's like, you, you, you find your dad, and he's like, you gotta go. We, I'm fixing the water. In this wasteland. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty generic for a scientist in a post-apocalyptic setting. It's like, Hey, oh. but they they really flipped the script in Fallout 4, though, where you're looking for your son instead. Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. also Ooh. trying not to not just save the water. <laughs> yeah. You know, but... <laughs> <laughs> trying to save everything, I guess. By killing people so yeah no sounds like a great plan to be honest i mean like 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 even i mean fallout new vegas probably had the best story of the bethesda fallouts and like eck had said that was different studio (laughs) like they just shoveled it out to him but i i'm i'm imagining a similar thing in the sense that I mean, even even Skyrim was the same way. The main story sucked. Like, oh, there's this like huge dragon that's a fucking a menace. He's a menace to society. Spider Man. Give me pictures of Spider Man. He's a menace. It's it's just like okay. the The main story was like there was nothing good about the main story in Skyrim, in my opinion. Like it was all like. The side stories, like Dark Brotherhood and, and Thieves Guild and shit, Mage shit, whatever. Like, that was the cool part about Skyrim, walking around discovering stuff. And the main story was just kind of like, oh, I guess I gotta go fucking do that. It's like when you get bored and you don't know what else to do, it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do the main story, because why not? <laughs> so, I'm, I'm imagining it's gonna be something similar, like, oh, I have to go find something, or someone, or... Some bullshit, but I I just can't imagine it being good. It's like, kind of cr- sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's, it's like even if even if you go search around stuff, there can't be that many. There can't be like like even if there was one like good thing on every planet, I don't even think that's possible. It's just kind of crazy to me that this is like another studio that Microsoft has just purchased. 
And that move has fully gone through the Bethesda purchase, but I think Starfield is very much going to be a Bethesda game more than a Microsoft game, if you get what I mean. And I'm just wondering if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because Bethesda, like, when's what year did they make their last good game? Like, Fallout 4, debatable good or not, but, like, it had no problems, right? I remember you played oh, it at it the time, Genji. it had a Genji. lot of problems. Okay. I mean, like, gl- like, like glitch-wise? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, buggy, well, Bethesda, glitchy. Oh, yeah. That, that's a feature games, of Bethesda yeah. games. Bethesda like, games always release broken. Yeah. Like, game-breaking broken, or? Yeah. Like, it, it was, for some people, it was unplayable. Oh, so, so not, what... not quirky and fun broken like Skyrim. <laughs> but completely broken like uh what was it Fallout 86 or it's, what was that yeah. 76 if you, right 76 yeah. there you go no yeah. i don't think it was actually it was as broken because there were bugs in Fallout 76 that were in Fallout 4 that got patched out of Fallout 4 so jeez oh, <laughs> <laughs> so so what yeah. would you say their last good game was that they released um Morrowind 3 <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I like Skyrim, I guess. But yeah, that was 2009. I mean, if you think about it, it was only like a couple years ago. <laughs> a few months ago. <laughs> a few months ago. Um. Yeah, I don't know. But like, that, that's like a problem, you know? Like, your last good game was 2009? I mean, like, I, I just don't I understand. Like, I liked Fallout 4 a little bit. When it was fixed. Like, it wasn't my favorite, but yeah, once it was fixed. And the DLCs were really good. I I will say that about Fallout. Their their DLC was was good, but... Even Fallout 4, though, like, that was 2014, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like... I I just don't know, like you said, um, as a non-Bethesda player, like, the only Bethesda game I've played, I think, is Skyrim. And I didn't Mm -hmm. even beat it. Uh, like I could, <laughs> I played more than three hours, but I didn't beat it. Um, <laughs> I just don't get how you can get excited with Bethesda's current track record. Oh, I'm not. Um, their most recent one is Fallout 76. Their most recent release, I mean, and then I you mean, hear about this game, it's just like eh. I have to give them I, the smallest amount of credit because they did go in and update the shit out of Fallout 76, but it's still. I mean, I haven't played it, but I'm just imagining that it's still not fun to play. <laughs> so, I could you're gonna say yeah. something? Um, yeah, I was gonna say to give them credit, they've re-released Skyrim without really changing it at all, like 80 times, and it sells like crazy every time they release it. So, I mean, they definitely have a, at least for Skyrim, a very emphatic fan base. Um, yes. so I'm sure there's going to be plenty that are excited for this. It always, I don't oh, know. Yeah. It, from from what little I know, it seems like kind of a mashup of No Man's Sky and Outer Worlds. So yeah. like, it seems like there's going to be some main underlying story that you have to visit specific planets for. But then they offer like the No Man's Sky sort of, I don't know, low level. I, maybe it's not right to call it low level, but it seems a level, um, like planetary exploration sort of system. Um, I mean, I am a huge fan. Uh, as you guys probably know, of Elite Dangerous, which is mm-hmm. like an actual space exploration game to the point where, you know, I bought one of those expensive throttle and flight stick setups so that I can have all the little buttons and 
you know, feel like I'm flying a ship and everything. Nerd. And that exactly. And that's a game that like it doesn't technically have a story, it just has a ton of lore. Like there's this like active ongoing government struggles and and rebellions that rise up and there's battles you can hop into, but like the whole point of the game is you just kind of, you know, forge your own path in space, whether it's like mining for resources or dogfighting against aliens or all kinds of shit like that. And that's like when I think of a space exploration game, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Same sort of thing with Star Citizen, which is never going to release. I bring it up because it hurts to think about. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. When I when I first heard about Starfield, my first thought was Elite Dangerous. And then what little I've kind of read and listened to about it since, and it's nothing like Elite Dangerous, so my interest level kind of dropped. I think for me, it's like... When it comes to space games, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Faster Than Light. No. Um, it's this yeah. 2D, you have like a spaceship that you can update and you're trying to make it through this galaxy to stop the evil empire from killing everybody or something like that. It's very like linear, basically. Like you have a little bit of paths you can take to kind of change what you get, like items you get and the little storyline that you build along your way. Like that, that to me is like the best kind of low-end space travel game where it's very concise and the the mechanics feel fun and then the high level it's something like elite dangerous or star citizen where you have like an actual galaxy or universe that you can freely explore and do what you want and it seems like every time i play a game that's in between those two it just makes me wanting more or it leaves me wishing that they would toned it down a bit um yeah uh, it's a, like I can't say uh, it's going to be on Game Pass when it comes out, so I'll most likely try it. But I don't know that I'm really excited for it. It probably won't be a uh, waiting to download it the day it comes out, and I may not put more hours in it than I've put into Skyrim, which also isn't much. But <laughs> I, can't, I just can't say I'm super excited. So what? It, yeah, what, I mean, what I'm hoping. <laughs> no, sorry, you go ahead. I've... I'm going on another tangent, so you you can finish this. Up. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <sighs> no, no, I, no, I was no, just sir, gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say like um, it depends on how they do it, because like procedurally generated games are usually flops from what I've seen, because they're either not detailed enough or like you said too detailed. But like I feel like Minecraft strikes a good balance when it comes to procedurally generated, because like. It's random, but there's so much depth to everything. Because, like, you'll get this cave system that's, like, you know, that you could spend three, four hours in. You'll get this abandoned tomb that you can explore, like, et cetera, et cetera. So if they're more like that and less like No Man's Sky that has just, like, rocks that you can walk on, on release, I shall say, I shall correct, um, then maybe it'll be cool. But I just don't like that. Com- what they're saying it's a, the game is combined with Bethesda's track record. Like, I I wouldn't be excited for it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I wouldn't be excited. Yeah, like Minecraft did kind of set a mold that other games haven't quite fit into yet. Uh, it's also technically not procedurally generated. Because when you generate your seed at the beginning of the game, like the whole world technically exists at that point, so it doesn't it doesn't generate as you play. It's generated by a seed, but that's still the whole idea of like you don't know what you're gonna see when you go over that hill over there. 
I can't, I, yeah, again, I can't think of a game, many games other than Minecraft that do it as well as Minecraft has done it. And it does seem to be kind of a goal that a lot of games would like to hit, and they just don't understand how to do it. I mean, Minecraft didn't do it very well for the first many years it was out. It was a fun game, but it's just like, I don't know if you ever played early Minecraft, you'd, you'd be walking you know, through this plane, and then you'd see, like, half a chunk of mountain floating in the air to the, <laughs> to the right of you, and then there's a big open ocean, and it's like, because it didn't quite generate the mountainous region how it should have. So, I mean, it took them a little, a lot of time to dial it in and make it as good as it's become these days. Um, but it does seem like a, like a goal that, I don't know, it may not be impossible to hit, but if their idea is to make a generated world as good as Minecraft as it is now, they're going to fail every time, because it took Minecraft forever to get to where they are now. I would like to see, like, if they had come out with Starfield being more, being smaller with plans to make it bigger in the future, like this was going to be an ongoing game for them for the next five years or ten years or however long they wanted to do it, and they wanted, like, a team focused on it, I might have a bit more hype for it, but seeing as they're wanting have this they they obviously have very specific intentions with how the world is going to be generated or created or or however i feel like they're going to kind of either pigeonhole themselves uh into doing i don't know either something bigger than they could do uh in the time they have to do it or too small considering the time they could have given themselves to do it it just kind of seems like i don't know like a lot of people seem to be complaining that a thousand planets is a lot but, I mean, it could be a lot more, and it could be really cool if they had the time and the dedication to make it bigger and cooler. So, Yeah, and just one last thing on that Thousands Planet point. Like, No Man's Sky has a billion planets, but, like, in reality, there's only five planets, you know? Ice World, yeah. Poison World, Rock World, <laughs> and, I don't know, two Spicy other world. Water World, and, yeah. Spicy. So yeah. it's like... How many planets is uh, Star Citizen really going to have? You can say a thousand, ten thousand, but like at its base, it's going to be, you know, maybe five, ten, twenty. I mean, are they yeah. going to nail those five, ten, twenty worlds? Legitimately, the first like five minutes of the gameplay reveal, I thought it was just better looking No Man's Sky. Yeah, because you literally Which is like, a problem. You, you walk out of the ship, you see some like you you start running around, you see some fucking crab things and it's like okay so animals and you see like a bigger animal and then it's like okay and then it goes into like third person where your dude literally looks like just an up like so it looks like somebody modded no man's sky to look better <laughs> it legitimately looks like they just took no man's sky and just like hey let's put some more textures and shit in here <clears throat> but i think the only way i think like, like what I would want from Starfield is if they had, like, a main story and, like, side missions like they do in all their stupid games. Oh, I, I think that's inevitable. <laughs> but they I, – I hope, I hope they keep the exploration and looking at planets, like, 100% optional. Or maybe not 100%, but, like, you like, – like, they make it they, – they give you incentives to explore – like you can get yeah. materials to like upgrade your shit and you can only do that through like exploring things but you don't need to explore like every fucking planet right cuz like the 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 amount of tedious bullshit they could put in this game to make it miserable and 
like so they can so they can hit the oh it's a hundred hour game fucking tagline right explore a hundred percent of 300 planets <laughs> right it's it's like that would suck but i i could see them potentially doing this right i doubt it because it's bethesda and they haven't done it right in a while but there there is the potential for them to not fuck this up i still think they're gonna fuck it up though I think there's going to be some huge, tedious bullshit, but I don't know. That's just me. Um, I will say real quick, uh, more more word on Elite Dangerous, you know, in case someone listening to this has never heard of it before, you should go look it up. It's really cool. Uh, I feel like they, they kind of handle that. To an extent, there really is only so many ways a planet can exist, like a, a lot more than, you know, like four or five, like it seems like Starfield's doing. Um, and, like, there's all sorts of ways you can interact with planets in that game, like, especially when it comes to mining, or there's sometimes you'll find some tiny planet out in the middle of nowhere with a base on it that happens to have the one part you need for your ship, things like that. Like, that always struck me as such a cool way of handling exploration, and I, uh, I feel like without something like that, the exploration, like, like uh, you said, is going to be... I don't know, really lackluster. Like, what if, if there's no real incentive to go visit these planets and no interest in doing so, then what's the point of having all of these planets? Like, it just doesn't... It sounds like they want to have these big planets as kind of a talking point, but it, I don't know, it doesn't seem like they matter very much. And I mean, honestly, especially if there's going to be some main storyline to follow, that's just... Inevitably, there's only going to be a handful of planets that you actually care about going to, because that's where the story is going to be. Yep. So, I don't know. I guess it depends on if more information comes out as to what you can do. Like, why are there all of these planets? Why would I want to go visit them? And is there any reason to ever visit more than a, full, a few just for the sake of the story? So, I don't know. I guess it depends on what scope they're going for, and it doesn't seem to be that broad of a scope. And Okay, so it says, I guess when they announced it, they said the story is like, you're... you're what is it? A group of space explorers and you're looking to recover lost artifacts. So it's like, okay, I guess exploration is going to be a part of the main story. I guess, but I don't know. So they kind of also did that in uh, mass effect where, you know, you could find artifacts and stuff on other planets, but you didn't have to yeah. go down and explore it. You just launch a probe down until you find what you're looking for. Yeah. Done. You're done looking at the planet. And that was honestly for this for the type of game Mass Effect was that fit in really well. I kinda like that mechanic. Also a good way to like get resources and fuel and stuff like that. But I I really I hope they have some some type of scanner. Because, like I, I hate the, the I mean even, shit, even No Man's Sky had a scanner, but still it was like you go down to a planet and there's like a oh, point of interest. In, in No Man's Sky, and you go down, and it's just a fucking metal antenna. Just one antenna, and like on a fucking planet. And it's like, okay, so I flew down to the surface of this planet just to look at a metal fucking antenna that I can't interact with at all. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, No Man's Sky. Like, I really, really hope there's no tedious shit like that. But, who knows? And then to close things off, um, I'm going to say my final thoughts on the matter are going to be, I think 
this game is lucky that it's on Game Pass because if it wasn't, <laughs> I think it would struggle. Like I really do think it would struggle. Um, but the fact that it is on Game Pass kind of gives it a second life, I guess, because people are going to be like, "No, oh, you know, I don't got to pay anything. I'll try it." And if it sucks, there's always the hope that like in a few months it might be good, and people will be like, "Oh, I'll download it," you know, so it doesn't cost anything. See if it's any better. Um, so it's got that going for it. Otherwise, I think it's not going to do too well. Um, it's not a game for me, but you know, hopefully Bethesda's finally turned a corner. Um, Eka, do you got any final closing statements? I mean, I fully agree with you because I mentioned that earlier. I'll probably try it because it's on Game Pass, but yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no hype for me. I love space games and I love space, but I don't know. I guess we'll just see. I would love to be wrong, and I wish, I truly wish that I download it, I play it, and it's one of the best things I've ever played. I just, I don't think it's going to be like that at all. Genji? Um, Zai, I think you underestimate Bethesda fans a little, a little bit. They're going to buy this game no matter what, even if they think it's going to be trash, because, like, that's <laughs> Bethesda. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, I totally agree. Like I this this game is a one hundred percent wait and see, except I have Game Pass, so I'll download it. <laughs> so um Bethesda fans, it's on Game Pass? No, I'm still gonna buy it. Yeah, no, dude, yeah, probably. I mean, I've actually done that. I've bought a couple games that I played on Game Pass because I just liked them so much. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I mean, and it's it, good. Yeah. Dev gets some cash. Yeah, I mean like that's that's totally fine, but Bethesda because you liked it. Bethesda, Bethesda fans are going to do that regardless if it's a good game or not. <laughs> They're going to be like, "Oh my god, Starfield's finally coming out after so many years. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to download it. I'm going to download it on Games Pass and I'm going to like pre-order it." It's Kingdom Hearts yeah. all over again. Yeah. And they'll buy it and they'll buy it next year when it comes out and then they'll buy it 4 years later when they re-release it on a new platform and then they'll buy it 5 years <laughs> after that when they re-release it on a new platform and Yep. Yeah, it's probably going to sell well just because it's Bethesda, but yeah, and then they'll go backwards <laughs> and re-release it on old platforms just in case you exactly. want to play it on your PS3. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be really big in the future. Is uh, nostalgic <laughs> gaming like they're going to start releasing new games on old systems and <laughs> demix? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Our final topic of this episode is going to be the new PlayStation Plus relaunch. It's going to be our general thoughts and the inevitable comparison with uh, Game Pass. I almost called it Games Pass. i got to get out of that habit. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with you, Eka, because you mainly don't game on PlayStation. Uh, as an outsider looking in, how do you feel about the new PlayStation Plus revamp from what you've heard? So we touched on this a bit on uh, our last podcast when they had announced um, that they were having a basically a whole division for PC um, that they were starting up. Um, so I'm probably going to repeat myself in a few different ways based on that. Um, but I think this is a good move for Sony. And as you guys know, in Discord, I've been saying they were going to do this pretty much since I joined the Discord. Um, that it was kind of inevitable that they were going to either have to kind of follow in the footsteps of Microsoft and others like NVIDIA and whatnot and make a more accessible platform rather than, you know, just keeping it on the hardware itself. Um, so I am kind of excited to see that they're moving in that direction, it seems, uh, that maybe 
they've decided the market is worth opening up to PC and otherwise players. Um, I'd like to see them moving in the direction that Microsoft is also moving, where game streaming is going to be a bit more accessible as well, because I think Microsoft's future plans include um, kind of like what Google wanted to do but did horribly and have just like a little stick you plug into your TV and then you can play your game with no nothing, no console, no PC. You can just stream it onto your TV, um, which I know that PlayStation does have a streaming service, um, but as far as I know, you can only play it on PlayStation and I don't know if it's any good. On um, PC and PlayStation. Oh, it is on PC now? Yeah, well, with the revamp, I don't know. But PlayStation now was and is on PC, question mark. Um, but they rebranded, so I'm not sure what the PC situation was. But the streaming bit, that w- you could stream on your PC pretty much. Oh, I got you. Well, good. I think they should. But uh, I do like the idea of... I mean, I can't say that I've been chomping at the bit to play... Um, like Sony exclusive games, I think the only one that I actually really wanted to play and considered borrowing a PlayStation for a friend but still not buying one uh, was Spider-Man, which is coming to PC, so that's when I'll finally end up playing it. Um, but it would be nice, I think. I wouldn't mind playing some of the games. Like, I hear good things about The Last of Us. Um, I hear good things about... Uh, God, what was that other one that everyone's been talking about lately? Uh, God, God of War? They made a mo- no, they made a movie about it. What's that one? Uncharted? There you go, Uncharted. I wouldn't mind trying those games. Uh, It kind of takes me back to the days when Tomb Raider was a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) But I think it's it's a good, solid business plan from Sony to try to open up their market a bit more uh, and not worry quite as much about hardware sales. I mean, they're doing great on hardware sales. I think PS5 is outselling the Xbox Series X and S. Um, so, I mean, their hardware sales are great, but Xbox also has the added bonus of not needing to buy an Xbox to play Xbox games. Um, so I would like to see what their market share is once this gets launched. Um, and maybe when they release, you know, the PS5 Pro or whatever, uh, and see if they start still sell all those, make all those hardware sales, as well as start making PC sales, see what it comes to. Because I could see Sony really making a ton of money like they they make solid games from what i hear um on their hardware uh, i think opening up to that to a bigger audience could could really boost them up uh, maybe i'd have more nicer things to say about them uh, <laughs> but at the moment i'm still a microsoft fanboy so you know <laughs> can you um so i i i upgraded my playstation to the is it the premium one? It was like thirty five bucks or whatever. But I I don't think I'm gonna do that again. Because the only extra thing you get What do you get with the premium? Hold on, let me look it up. Uh I'll just recap for listeners too in case they don't uh know. Um tier one, it's just basic PlayStation Plus. You get online access and two free games every month. Three free games every month. Uh tier two, you get the you know, the Xbox Game Pass library, but on PlayStation, the version of it. And then tier three, which is the highest tier, you get everything and then a classics library of PS3, PS1, and PSP games. 
You get like demos or something, right? Oh, and demos, trials, and like deeper discounts too. Wait, you pay more to get demos? It's it's like game uh, trials. trials more than demos. It's like you can play a game for a certain amount of time. Oh, I it's got you. Pretty it's pretty generous. Like, it's like so, more sense. Thing. so, is it any game, or is it like select games, or is the plan to be pretty much any game? I think it's select. I, I'd assume it would be select games. It, it's select games, and how long you get to play is up to the developer, which is kind of cool. Gotcha. Um, like Horizon, it's one of the game trials, the newest one that just came out. Uh, you have an eight-hour trial for it. Oh, shit. But there's another wow. game on it that's uh, Hot Wheels that I downloaded because I wanted to try it. I, I love Hot Wheels games. I used to play them as a kid a lot. I did, um, too, They're yeah. still fun as an adult, too. Uh, that's only a two-hour trial. So I got gotcha. you. It's like whoever wants to put their game on there to trial, brand new game, and then however long you want to give people, it's up to you. Maybe okay, they uh, cool. noticed how some people treat Steam and decided to do it that way because I think it's Steam. Uh, you have like three days or three hours played before you can return a game, and there's plenty of games out there that you could beat in a couple hours and then just return it and get your money back. Um, yeah. So maybe they're trying to keep people from being able to beat the entire game in the trial and then just not buying it. So, yeah, I think it's yeah, a good, leaving it up to the, the developer. School. Yeah, the developers would know how much time to reasonably give someone to try it out without, you know, being able to take advantage of the system. So that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, having a one-hour like thing for um, for <laughs> Forbidden West for Horizon, it's like you you don't do anything. The cutscene. <laughs> the first hour is like the cutscene tutorial. Yeah, the thing that popped in my head was like a Yakuza game because your first two hours is almost entirely cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, dude. Small aside, um, I'm a huge Yakuza fan. I played all of them, uh, every single one that you can think of. I've played it, beaten it, and everything. Um, I started my first ever game with Yakuza Six though, and only because I heard you know this was a good game, and I'm like, okay, let me try it. First three hours, three and a half hours, all cutscenes. I almost. Stop playing. I was just like, what is this game? This is worse than Metal Gear 4. Yeah, yeah I tried... Uh, I don't. It might have been Yakuza. It's one of the Yakuza games. I wanted to try out the uh, game streaming on Game Pass the other day uh, on my PC. Um, and I picked one of the Yakuza games, and I was streaming it for some friends for probably about an hour and a half, two hours. I don't think I ever actually had any gameplay like <laughs> I was just watching I was enjoying myself because the writers of those games man they are fantastic. So oh, I was enjoying just watching the videos as they went by. My friends were like, "When are you going to do something?" I'm like, "It's Yakuza, you never do." <laughs> <laughs> it's just a movie disguised as Yeah, a it's a somewhat interactable movie and eventually you get to kick some ass, but you know, it's a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, can you go on? You're looking up the tiers last year we were talking. Yeah. So I mean, I guess if you if you want the trials, sure. But I mean, me personally, the classics library, I looked at it and I was like, "Oh man, I remember those games." And then I tried to play one of them, and I was like, "Boy, howdy, dude. <laughs> this, this, this is <laughs> yeah. an old game." <laughs> so yeah, see, my my problem is like I have a decent sized collection of PlayStation One and Two games. I still have a PlayStation One and a PlayStation Two. So when it comes to the classics, like I'd probably be more inclined to try to buy a copy of an old game and just play it on my old system rather than subscribe for that. But I could see 
depending on the price, if it comes to PC and I have all the access to those games, I might be inclined to do it. It's not a big... Um, the classic library is not big. Yeah, but I mean, the plan is to expand it, is it not? I, I think no they idea. want to yeah. do like a, a huge amount Allegedly. of Allegedly. Yeah. Which, I mean, some of my favorite games from back then weren't exactly the most popular games, or they might be games I, I don't know would be as popular today. So, I mean, those games I'd still have to buy for myself. But if they add things that are, like, either hard to find or kind of expensive these days, like Legend of Dragoon, great game. But I think last I looked for a used copy, it was, like, 70 80 bucks, which is kind of a lot for a game that old. I mean, I might be more inclined to just, like, play it through something like that. Um, but I don't know. I think the the idea is really good. I'd love to see them try to bring as much of the old libraries as possible to their system, to their uh their platform because i mean someone like me i might be more inclined to get it as much as i love actually playing on the old hardware uh for at least the nostalgic purposes um and it would be cool to see more i guess of the the current and younger generation being able to easily find out some of the games that you know like your mom dad or uncle used to play as a kid i just i just cool. wish you could download it i don't, i hate the streaming like i, I tried oh to it's play... streaming only only ps3 games yeah I I oh, okay. I think um, God, I tried to play Force Unleashed because I, I loved that game as a kid, and it was like the button lag wasn't too bad, but it was just enough to be annoying <laughs> for me. <laughs> and yeah. I, don't, I don't know, I was just like, I wish I could just fucking download it and play it because like, I I don't like the streaming. I that, think that they're working on that. It's just they didn't have it ready yeah. at launch because it's like recently. Someone leaked like a bunch of patents for PS3 emulation. I don't know why it's taken this long, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Also, the other reason why I'm upset is they have a shitload of Ratchet and Clank games, but they don't have Deadlock. So, fuck yeah. you, Sony. That's gonna come to the PS2 one. Oh, hot okay. take. Hot, what is it? Hot, hot take. I've never played a single Ratchet and Clank game ever. So that's fine. We're not friends. So. It's fine. <laughs> I would start with the classics if they ever release them, like re-release them, wow, the I, original trilogy. I don't know that I'm much into platforms anymore. I used to love, um, ba- uh, fuck, was it Crash Bandicoot? And I tried playing those again recently too, and man, it was just so boring. It's like, ugh. really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the the most recent Ratchet and Clank was really fun. Yeah, I um, agree. But man, dude, Deadlock was my favorite Ratchet and Clank game, hands down. I think of the uh, of the um, even even like into the PS3 ones, I like Deadlock better than those ones. I but, I I like what they're doing. Um, I have been pretty anyone in the Discord knows like I've been pretty against the subscription model like. Because for numerous reasons that I won't get into now, otherwise we'll be here all night. But um, since they're kind of forced to go in this direction, I think this is the best that they possibly could have done. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting this need of a package, knowing Sony. I was expecting something to fall apart somewhere, or like some outrageous pricing, or, you know, Sony things. Um, but I think they got the pricing right. I think the structure and system of it is right. Um, I'm a big classics guy. Uh, I'm not like I could where I want to play it on the original hardware. 
I want to play it on new hardware, but I want to be able to play the classic games on said new hardware, if that makes sense. So I'm glad that Sony's finally making an effort to like preserve old games. I think that's really important because like there how many thousands and thousands of games are just lost to time now because they were stuck or stranded or like uh we talk about Dreamscast a lot like how many games are on the Dreamscast and they're never going to be on anything else cuz you know dead system no one's going to port yeah. forward etc most of them <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'd so love I to think... see sega take a stab at it though i mean they're still a pretty decent sized games developer even though their sonic games don't seem to be doing very well <laughs> You never know, they might. Um, yeah, I feel the like the they better. should do one of those, like, you know, Dreamcast Collections titles or something that collects up, like, you know, 10 or 15 of the best Dreamcast games. That'd be pretty cool. Exactly. Might, might, do, might sell pretty well. Exactly. But even then, emulating Dreamcast is incredibly hard uh, because it was hard to develop for in the first place. So who knows if that would ever even happen. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, I want to say that going forward... PS4 and onwards, like, those games are going to be available indefinitely, I think, because, like, they're designed with the modern world in mind, unlike the old generation games. So, like, once a game makes it to, like, Series X, Series S, PS5, I feel like that game has made it now. Like, it's never going to go away. It is digitally available forever. You know, good to go. So any steps towards that, I'm always really welcome of. Like, same with uh, Game Pass and their Classics Collection. Um, the obvious, uh, knock against it, if you want to call it a knock, and this is the direction I'm going to take the conversation, is no day and date games of Sony releases. Um, no what? Day and date games of, like, Sony releases. No day one, oh, you know, okay. to PS Plus for PlayStation exclusives. Um, this is obviously a big departure from Game Pass and... Before I give my thoughts, uh, Kenji, what do you think on this first? On the no day one thing? Yeah, like no PlayStation exclusives day one. I'm surprised. Like, I'm genuinely shocked that Games Pass does it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I. The fact that Games Pass does it, like, the fact that PlayStation isn't doing that isn't weird to me. The fact that Games Pass does do that is weird to me. Like, it's really cool I, I like that games pass does it because you can just play new games for what 15 bucks a month but um i'm not surprised at all sony's sony's not doing the day one thing like they want people to buy their games you know mm-hmm. so that's that doesn't surprise me at all i kid what are your thoughts on it yeah see i am the exact opposite I am not surprised that Game Pass does it, and I'm a bit surprised that Sony isn't doing it. Uh, I guess to be fair, they're two. They both companies have very different ideas of what their company is. I guess because Microsoft is a services company, like that's that's their bread and butter is subscription services. Like <laughs> Xbox Game Pass is just another branch of all of the other subscriptions they have for various things. I think I've brought up like Windows Azure before. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at like the the Microsoft Office suite, like that's also a subscription service. Like that's what they do. They're a subscription service provider. Um, so it makes sense that their platform would just include their latest games. They want people to subscribe. They don't care quite as much if people buy the individual game, because in the end, 
if you've got you know millions of people paying a set price every month then you know you're making that money every month but when you release a new game if you're relying on people to actually buy it you don't know how much you're going to make like it could flop but if you have a subscription then you know you're getting this much money every month at the very least uh you know with some drop off here and there um and new releases releasing same day on their their platform means they could get a surge of new subscriptions which is just added bonus so they're already expecting x money and then they release a new game and y amount of people end up joining well then their profits end up being z instead of what it was going to be um so it makes a lot of sense for them i was kind of i honestly kind of expect sony to move that direction depending on how popular their service is outside of the hardware um but i guess time will tell on that one because um, it just seems like that's a really good way to drive up your subscriptions is to say, hey, this this brand new game and you could pay 60 bucks or you could pay 15 bucks and play the same game and all these other games. So then instead of paying 60 bucks once for a game, you pay, uh, what, 200 and some odd bucks a year for everything. Like it's it seems kind of kind of like a bit of give and take. But in the end, the company always wins. So. It also means See, if Starfield is garbage, they're not going to lose money because people won't buy it because they're still going to be making Game Pass money. <laughs> that's true. See, I'm kind of in between both of you guys. Like, I'm not surprised Microsoft is doing what they're doing. Um, I think it's really for different reasons than I could though. Um, I think it's clear Microsoft is attempting to loss lead, which is when you you pretty much um you don't care about your losses you're going to spend whatever it takes to get people to buy your subscription so you're just going to keep spending 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 um not worrying about profit right now um so i'm not surprised that they're putting their games day 1 cuz they're right now they're the underdog um they're trying to get people to come in and the best way to do that is to be like brand new game sign up for this $15 a month uh well your first month will be $1 try it out um, and you can play this brand new game along with this entire big library, along with every other brand new game that comes out. So I think that's what they're trying to do. Cause, um, you, you just said it, I could, but like new game comes out, your subscription numbers uptick. How many of those people are going to be PlayStation people, you know, uh, PlayStation people that have a PC that are like, Oh, uh, Forza just came out. I'm going to download or I'm going to subscribe to game pass this month and try it out. So that's why I think Microsoft is doing what they're doing. Um, I'm also not surprised by Sony doing what they're doing because, um, like, so far, thus far from what we've seen, Sony's games are a lot more bigger budget than Microsoft's games. And they want to keep making big budget, $100 million, $200 million, $300 million games, and the subscription cost doesn't cover that uh, to continue to make games like that. So I think Sony's going for this hybrid model where it's like, look, we have a subscription here and we're going to have some day one games, not Sony games, mind you. We might have, you know, maybe Final Fantasy, the new one will be here day one. We didn't pay to make it, so maybe we can give them a check and they'll come put it on here. Um, but the Sony games will not be on here. Uh, they will be $70 because you like your high-budget games. You want to keep playing high-budget games. You want another God of War. You want another Horizon. So you got to keep paying for it. And I I don't know if I'm right in saying this, but I feel like Sony's like user base, they understand this. They know like 
um what's the word i guess to say this uh they know that if they want to keep if they want a really good god of war 2 uh they gotta pay 70 bucks and this model is going to continue to work as long as their games are good if god of war 2 comes out and it's like average i could see this whole entire system unraveling so yeah i guess the biggest difference is that that Microsoft has the fuck around and find out money, whereas Sony yeah. is a bit more, especially these days, focused on gaming. Because Sony does still make devices. They make DVD players and TVs and stuff like that. But that's not even their biggest market, surprisingly, like you think it would be. Yeah. Uh, their gaming division has become their biggest seller, I think, ever uh, at this point. Whereas Microsoft, their their biggest make money maker is cloud services. So, like, they don't... They could completely drop their games division tomorrow and still be making more money hand over foot than Sony's making. So I guess oh, yeah. they they kind of have that money where they can they can test out the waters and see if it ends up working. And I mean, to an extent it works. I think again, I think Sony's games division still making more uh each year than Microsoft games service, but considering the money Microsoft puts into it, they're easily making like more profit than I guess you'd expect. Um, just because they have that money to test the waters and try out new things. And if it works, it works, and they make more money. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, we'll just keep breaking in the dough off of our cloud services and continue moving forward. Um, so I guess it's uh, it really breaks down to just the type of company both of those are and what their source of income is. So, I mean, Sony kind of has to keep making those really big-budget, like, cinematic games, whereas Microsoft you know, can buy out Activision and Bethesda and have them make games while, you know, yeah. they work on their, their subscription services, so. It's just really interesting what the overall goal is to me for Microsoft because it's kind of skewed with the big purchases of Bethesda and Activision, but they haven't even, like, come close to being in the green for their games division right now. Uh, with their subscribers in mind, how much money they're paying, and then how much they're spending. Um, So, like, when they have a year or two where they're not buying out any developers or publishers, I mean, um, we'll get a more accurate number, like how much they're spending to make games versus like how much they're bringing in. Um, but I just, I don't see it being profitable and I don't think that's their goal. I think they know it's never going to be profitable, at least not anytime soon. Uh, but they just want people in the door. They want people in the ecosystem. I mean, it, it is profitable. It's just, pro- it's not as profitable as some of their other visions. Cause I'm looking now and as of March 2022, Microsoft's games division brought in $3.7 billion in profit. So, like, I mean, it is making money. Now, granted, if they had the games division Sony had, where they, you know, made, where you had to buy each individual game and they spent, you know, a ton of money to make this big, elaborate, like, experience, they might actually end up making a bit more. But it seems like Microsoft just wants to be not synonymous with gaming, but at least when you think of gaming, Xbox pops into your head. Like, even if you're a Sony guy, you might think of Xbox just because they're so big. Like, they've got all these titles, all these companies making games for them. Like, it's hard to argue that Xbox isn't huge, even if they don't sell the same amount as Sony does. Um, But I think that seems to be the goal of Microsoft, whereas the same thing when you think of PCs, you think of Windows... I think Microsoft just wants, when you think of gaming, you think of Xbox. Because even though there's Mac and Linux and all these other operating systems, most people's brain still thinks Windows when you think of a PC. Right. So I think Microsoft just wants to be that 
knee-jerk reaction to gaming where Xbox is the first thing that pops into your head, uh, which I, they're doing pretty well. I mean, Sony still has that big chunk of the market. Nintendo. Uh, and I was going to say Nintendo, anyone over a certain age, all games are Nintendo anyway. So exactly. I guess they're just, they're kind of trying to take that title from Nintendo where, you know, instead of your grandma calling everything you play a Nintendo, she calls everything you play an Xbox, I think is really what they're going for. But um, real quick on the gaming division profitability, like it's it's a little odd though, because like they're saying they're making thirty three billion in profits, but or thirty three million, I forgot what you said. No, three point seven billion. Three point seven billion. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then they just spent sixty six billion on on uh, Activision, and clearly they're not counting that as gaming division money, like going out. Um, but it's still related towards gaming, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so like, it depends on what their investment budget is, because, I mean, technically, whenever you're figuring out your profits, you have to decide what your budgets were beforehand. So anything that comes in over what you were expecting to lose, I think, something somewhere around, it's been a little while since I've been kind of in the middle of figuring out revenue. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that, that doesn't technically take away from your profits doing a, a purchase like that, so long as you're still bringing in money. I guess. Because, like, they might actually take a knock now, spending that much money, and maybe this year they're not as profitable, but as long as they're still yeah. making that money over what they're spending, then it's still profit. And, I mean, I could, it sounds like a lot of money because we are not a giant corporation, but that's oh, yeah, really not them. a whole lot. That's, that's not a whole lot of money for Microsoft. Like, <laughs> that's... It, it's definitely a big decision for Microsoft, but in the end, like, they could probably burn $60 billion and, you know, it bring them nothing and they'd still be one of the most profitable companies in the world. Like, it's... Oh, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's some sw big dick swinging money that, that Microsoft has the advantage of having. And that's why I feel like Sony is ultimately fighting a losing battle if they try to go head to head with Microsoft. Like, if Sony went completely in the, uh, Game Pass direction, and they were just like they just made a copy of Game Pass pretty much. They would lose like hundred uh, yeah, percent. They can't just go out and buy Activision, you know. They can't just go out and buy Square Enix. They can't just go out and buy EA. Um, Microsoft yeah. can. Microsoft can buy all three of those companies and <laughs> still could. be like, eh. <laughs> you know, we still got room for uh, Ubisoft if we want to. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I I don't know. That's just my theory. I think gaming. For Microsoft, gaming is never going to be profitable for them, like, the way, like, $66 billion profitable. But, like, I think they're trying to be, like, kind of like Apple, where it's like, this is our ecosystem. We're going to make some yeah. money off of you from Game Pass. We're going to make some money off of you from Office. We're going to make some money off of you with, uh, you know, our cloud services. And overall, once all the money we take from you is, like, collected, then we're in the green. But if it's yeah. like if you're just looking at gaming and you're like, fifteen bucks for Game Pass, but this game costs this much to develop, I don't think that's ever going to be in the green for them, honestly. Kenji, we've been talking about anything to add? <laughs> hmm. Oh, <laughs> not really. I mean, cool. If you compare streaming services. I don't know. Ooh. Well, because like I, I don't have Xbox Gold because uh, I don't have an Xbox. I just have Games Pass, so it's like significantly cheaper. Yeah. 
but it's ten bucks a month, right? Uh, yes, Something like that. for PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looking at the numbers, there is currently around twenty-five million monthly subscribers. Um, so that's al- almost definitely three hundred and seventy-five million dollars a month that they get in from Game Pass. So over a year. They make at least $4.5 billion just off of Game Pass subscriptions, so long as the number is just $25 million. Um, and, I mean, they do still sell games. Not everyone has Game Pass, so a lot of people buy games outright on the Xbox Marketplace. They still sell some Xbox hardware. They sell peripherals, things like that, which can make up for some of the other profits. But, I mean, when you, look at, PlayStation? when you look at the games that, that like, when you get Game Pass, you're not just playing the brand new games, you're also playing older games or, you know, maybe some of the indie titles that Microsoft may not have made much money off of in the first place. It does seem like with the way the company works, that's that I mean, four point five billion off of a relatively easy service, I guess, easy on the user, is pretty pretty decent. Like that's that's a good chunk of change just for a single service that you're offering. Uh, but consider their games divisions a bit bigger than just Game Pass. I mean, they could easily be making double that a year. Okay, okay, double that though. Now, Let's double that. And... Now, how much? That'd be nine billion. But that just—that not necessarily profits. That'd just be how much money is coming in from those services. Right. Uh, so that, now, like, system. how much? Let's just say that was pure profit, completely yeah. profit. Right. How many years until they make up that sixty-six billion purchase of uh, Activision? Oh, they already have. They're just not with their gaming division. <laughs> no, no, but like gaming division alone. Like that's why I'm saying, like it's never going to yeah. be profitable. It's just. Uh, I mean, they're... I guess it depends on because I mean Xbox is under the parent organization that is Microsoft, so yeah, like, yeah, Microsoft yeah. money is Xbox money, and vice versa to an extent. I mean, I'm right. sure there's some some legal in betweens that has to go with you know how things are funded. But I mean, again, that's what I was saying earlier. Is that's kind of the 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 power Microsoft has is that they've got big dick swinging money because of Microsoft, so they can afford to quote unquote lose money. Because I mean, if they made if Microsoft bought out um, uh, one of these game developers for their gaming service, then technically that's Microsoft money spent, and then money gained from that on Xbox is gaming division money made. Yeah. So it's kind of a I guess it is kind of a fudging the numbers to make it seem like you're doing better than you're doing, but I mean they're they're still doing well when you consider the money they're bringing in. Yeah, maybe they're not going to make sixty billion dollars in a single year on their gaming division, but it's everything else that helps prop it up. Yeah. So I mean, in the end, it seems like a good idea for them to buy out these well-established companies, even though you know we might have some not nice things to say about Activision. Um, for all we know, Microsoft's plans could be to buy it out, gut the executives, and you know put some Microsoft people in there or something like that. I don't know. What oh, surely, I are. think that's surely the plan. But uh, I don't know. It it does seem like, yeah, Microsoft does have much more flexibility than Sony does when it has to, you know, throw whatever money they feel like at their games division and still technically make a profit since the money you know might not have technically come from their games division yeah technically (laughs) um i guess uh i'm gonna go with my closing thoughts now i think 
the road this will eventually lead to, and I hope it doesn't. I really, really hope it doesn't. But the road I think this will lead to is PlayStation or Sony getting bought out by one of the bigger people. Not Microsoft, but like Google, Apple, Facebook. Amazon. Um, Am- Oh, God. Amazon. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's going to get to the point, I feel, where, like, okay, for 10 years now, Sony Studios have released hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, just law of averages, that's not sustainable. Eventually, you're going to release duds, multiple duds in a row. You're going to get the wrong people in eventually, just out of the hiring and firing cycle. Uh, they're going to make a bad game. And then, like I said, the whole system begins to unravel once your first-party exclusives start not being great. Um, and that's when I think, whenever that happens, that's when Apple, Facebook, Amazon, etc., they're going to be looking and they're going to be like, you know, we could probably get this on a deal right now. And then PlayStation is going to be like, well, we got to compete with Xbox, so we need money from somewhere. We have to sell. Um, so that's what that's what I think this is going to lead to. I hope not, but that's my prediction. Uh, Kenji, final thoughts? Um. I mean, I think Sony had to do something like this. It's just inevitable with Games Pass how it is. I think they just need to expand their libraries a little bit more, and they'll be good. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to compete with with Microsoft's like day one shit because, like you guys are saying, they have Microsoft just has so much more money. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's a it's kind of hard to compare the two because they're a little different. Like if if they if they had the PS Plus catalog on PC, it'd be a little more comparable. But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's good. So. I could final thoughts. Yeah, I've been saying uh, along the lines of what he was saying for a while now that. This is kind of the move Sony is has to make, um, whether their hand was forced by Microsoft or others or otherwise. It's just with how big gaming has gotten in the past, you know, 15, 20 years, um, whereas, you know, when I was a kid, sometimes, uh, you know, people would be not too nice to someone who enjoyed spending their entire day playing video games. <laughs> now, almost everybody spends most of their day playing video games. It's so big that you know, Sony kind of has to step up because um, like we've been saying, Microsoft has big dick swinging money and they want to be synonymous with gaming. And how do you compete with that um, as, I guess, technically a smaller company, even if their gaming's division brings more money in than Microsoft's gaming's division every single year, Microsoft is still going to have more money than them every time. Like it, it just doesn't yeah. matter. Um, <clears throat> so actually I, I could see, Sony one day being bought out, I would hope it's not from like a Facebook or something. I'd think it'd be a good idea for someone like Samsung maybe to buy out Sony, um, not just for you know their gaming's division, but for like their hardware and stuff like that. Like Sony was the the guys who invented 4K Blu-rays and things like that. Like mm-hmm. Sony, they're 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 like uh, outside of their gaming's division is a pretty solid company in what they make. They're just not quite as popular these days. Um, as like you know the Samsungs of the world, um, but I, I don't know. I feel like that is also an inevitability that Sony's either going to merge with someone else or be bought out by someone else. 
Um, and I think the steps they take now to make a good sustainable platform uh, is going to be what makes either, you know, that inevitable buyout or merger uh, more or less successful than maybe it should be. Um, Cause I don't know. I think they, they, they have the library. Like, I mean, like I said, I'm not a big Sony guy, but a big chunk of my childhood is PlayStation and PlayStation two. They kind of lost me um, by PlayStation three. I was more of an Xbox PC guy at that point. Um, but I mean, like you said, they release banger after banger. Uh, they're, they're very well known for being a good gaming uh, company. Um, so, I mean, I don't see them technically like going away anytime soon, but if they don't handle their subscription service well enough, I could see, like you saying, it, it start to unravel and, uh, maybe they get kind of bought out and shelved, uh, or they pull a Sega where, you know, they're Kings of the Hill one day. Well, maybe not Kings of the Hill, but you know, Sega was never a King of the Hill, but they were <laughs> a big player and then yeah. they just disappeared like they couldn't they couldn't keep up and they were overtaken by everyone else so i mean that's always a possibility despite sony being such a big synonymous with gaming company they could one day disappear if they don't play their cards well so yeah i mean sega a, still makes games at least though that is true i am ha i mean despite most sega games <laughs> not being very great um they're still trying <laughs> they're still chugging along yeah um, on that note it has been episode 38 uh devious should be back the next episode thankfully <laughs> can't wait to hear his voice again um thank you for listening it's gonna be fire. and it's gonna be fire <laughs> uh, it has been myself ekid and kenji and we will see you next time does he does he still do the outro music thing? Yeah, I've been doing it, but you're back, so <laughs> Outro music. La pluie, la mer, au ciel d'été, confond ses blancs moutons avec les anges si purs. La mer, bergère d'azur infinie, voyez. Des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez ces oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer les abers.